This Week at Hope Point. I have tried the world's finest marijuana. I've tried the world's finest cocaine. I've traveled to the world. I've been to nine different countries over the past decade. I've met senators. I've, I've did all kinds of things that I never thought I would get to do. I've bought a home. I've gotten married. I've had children. Some of those things are bad and some of them are good. But I promise you that none of it, absolutely none of it compares with knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. There is nothing greater than knowing that He is your King. And there's nothing greater than knowing that He is the one who's directing your life. That you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have all the answers. Just look to Jesus and do what He says. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and truly put our trust in Him to direct our every step, we find tremendous peace. No matter what storms come our way, we can trust that our Savior is for us and will never let us down. Even as we may suffer for knowing Him, we can find rest in knowing the glory to be revealed is worth it all. Let's listen as the Executive Director of Jumpstart Prison Ministries, Carrie Sanders, speaks to us from God's Holy Word. Good morning, Hope Point Church. It's gonna gonna be like that in here today. Now this is the second crowd. You should have already probably be on your second cup of coffee if you do that kind of thing or Some of you come to the second service because you have to chase kids around and round them up to get them here. But either way, we're excited that you're here and you're going to have the opportunity to hear God's word today. That is a special privilege, whether you recognize it or not, to have the opportunity to be impacted by God's word. If you have a copy of the scriptures this morning, I'd like for you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Maybe you've brought a Bible in or maybe you have one on your device. If you don't, we will have the words on the screen, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 17. This morning, I hope what I share will encourage and equip you to live for God boldly in your community, in your home, and in your workplace, or wherever else God sends your feet throughout the week. I want to begin by considering a few main points of the passage, and then I'm going to share a little of my story After I share some of my story, we'll jump back in the text and see what truth is there that's applicable for all of us. So beginning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, therefore, if anyone, can you say anyone just so I know that you're with me? Anyone. Okay, that's good. Is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us. Let's try that again. Us. To himself and gave us the ministry. Us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake, for our sake, for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What are some of the main points Paul is making here? First is that Christians are not known by who they were before Christ. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away, the new has come. 
Paul knew that personally, didn't he? Most of us in here in the room today know that Paul was a Jewish leader of immense power and prestige who was on the road to Damascus to capture and apprehend believers so that they could be persecuted. Today, we would label Paul as a terrorist in Syria hunting down Christians. Think about that for a moment. A terrorist in Syria hunting down Christians now writing a letter to a church full of believers, giving them instruction and nourishment from the king. That doesn't wow us as it should. A terrorist to a pastor. Something. He knew that believers were not who they were before they met Jesus Christ. Anyone who has repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ for salvation has become a new person. Any of us who has turned from our sin and placed our faith in Christ for salvation now has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Something radical and transformative and supernatural has occurred in our lives. And we are a new creature in Jesus Christ. That is news worth shouting about. That is news worth celebrating. The second point is that we are reconciled to God through Christ. Our salvation doesn't come from good works or from religion. It doesn't come from trying harder. We experience reconciliation with God through Christ's atonement on the cross. When he was crucified, he paid the price for our sin so that we could be justified and have a right relationship with the God who created us. That's incredible. The third point is that believers, once they've experienced reconciliation, are now ambassadors of that message of reconciliation. They are sent out into the world as ambassadors to help people experience reconciliation with the living God. I want to jump in and share a little bit of my story so you can help see what happens when someone meets Jesus Christ. A good part of my childhood and teenage years were spent in northern Greenville County. Some of you all may know that area as the Dark Corner. I grew up about a half a mile from North Greenville University. I would characterize my childhood as wonderful in so many ways. With my brothers and sisters, we loved playing outdoors. We loved playing sports. Um, my family was a good family, uh, but we weren't a church-going family. My um, family tried to teach us right from wrong and to do things as we should, um, as you should in the world. Um, and I loved school and was pretty good at school, but what I wasn't good at was staying out of trouble. Right? It just seemed to always find me around every corner, right? And I usually was hunting it as well. By my early adolescent years, I was getting into all kind of trouble. I had a lot of insecurities on the inside of me about who I was and where we lived and those kind of things that came out kind of as a hunt for respect, it came out as aggression. It came out as a desire to please others and win their approval. And so when you grow up in kind of a rough culture, you get a lot of attention if you get into trouble, right? You get some respect from the boys in the school, right? Some of you all know a little bit about that. If you can beat the other kids up at school, then everybody thinks you're the man and you get some type of valuation from that, some type of affirmation. Um, and it kind of is fuel for the, to do the same kind of behavior, but what you have to do is you have to keep stepping it up a notch to get the same wow factor. 
And so going into my adolescent years, I didn't really care what anyone had to say about anything. I would listen while they were trying to talk to me, but the minute an adult was out of my sight, I was into something. And by the age of 17, I had been arrested 17 times. I'd been arrested for fighting, for stealing, for drugs, for selling drugs. You name it, we were involved in it. And I had people that were trying to get me to listen, but I don't know if it was a mental health issue or just a hard head issue, but I just couldn't comprehend the words that were coming out of their mouth. It was like I didn't care. It was like I was on autopilot towards destruction. After my third stint in the Department of Juvenile Justice, they let me out for my 17th birthday. They said, well, hey, we're going to give you one more chance before you go to adult prison. Three months later, I shot someone during an armed robbery. And I was in the Greenville County Detention Center. And the only thought on my mind was suicide. I had a public defender in jail. You call them public pretenders because they're representing like 100 people. And they're not doing much for any of them. It's, you know, it's just not a good design. I'm sure some of them mean well, but you don't get any adequate representation. And so this public defender told me, he said, Carrie, you know, you've done some terrible things and you probably deserve a life sentence, but maybe we can get you 25 years. I said, okay, I'll never do that amount of time. He said, son, I bet you will. And so when I went back to that maximum security cell, they were holding me and the only thought on my mind was suicide. You see, you all, I didn't believe in heaven. I didn't believe in hell. Um, I didn't believe in God. I just thought, hey, when I die, it's over. So why not kill myself? Why go spend a lifetime in a prison? What would be the point in that? And so two o'clock one night, I was waiting on the guards to make the rounds so I could hang myself. Because I finally wanted to get something right. I was like, I I don't want them to cut me down and then that's something else I failed at. I want to get this right. And I remember that someone had given me a Bible that I didn't even want to be seen with. And I got that Bible out and began flipping through it. And there was an article about how to have a new life in Christ. And as you all can imagine, I was wanting a new life. And I began reading about how God had created the world good, but sin had entered in and caused destruction and chaos. And I knew clearly that that's what was wrong on the inside of me. Right? I had been to mental health counseling. I had told myself I'm turning over a new leaf. I had said I'm trying harder. I had told myself, hey, I'm wasting my life. I need to stop getting high. I need to stop doing these criminal behaviors. But I couldn't fix me. There was no amount of self-determination that was going to take my life into a 180. But I read about how Jesus had came and how he had prayed the price for sin. And But because of his resurrection, I could now receive the spirit of the living God, and he could transform me. He could do in my life what was not possible for me to accomplish on my own. So in desperation, I said, God, if you're real, I want to know. I want to meet you, God. And you all, in words that I still don't have the words for it today, but at two o'clock in the morning in the Greenville County Detention Center at 18 years old, I met Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. That was in 2005. I went off and ended up with a 10-year sentence. God had mercy on me. And as I was in Tiger River Correctional in the spring of 2007, about 15 years ago this spring, I heard that there was this program that I should consider. 
So I went up to the chapel not expecting a whole lot. Um, and there was an individual sharing about how he had been incarcerated and he had went from Spartanburg's most wanted to starting a few businesses. And now he was giving his life away to help prisoners understand how they could get out and make it by finding out God's plan for his life. That man's name was Don Williams. Some of you all know that Jumpstart was planted pretty much by Hope Point Church. For many years, the board members and the people volunteering in the prison came from this body of believers. I went on to serve several more years, and in 2012, the year before I was released, a volunteer said, Kerry, what are you going to do when you get out? And I said, sir, I'm not real sure. I'm going to try to work hard. You know, maybe somebody will give me an opportunity and one day I can earn enough to move out of my mama's house and make it in life. And he said, well, that's honorable. You know, working's better than stealing. He said, but I think you're settling for less than you could achieve. I think you need to think about thriving instead of just surviving. And I said, well, what do you got in mind? He said, well, Carrie, I think you need to go to university when you get out. And I was like, what are you talking about, college? And um, he's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And I said, sir, you realize this isn't a summer camp, right? Like they put us here for really bad things. I said, I'm not going to walk out after a decade in prison and go to college. And he said, well, I think God can open that door. And I said, I'm not sure. He said, well, will you pray about it, Carrie? And I said, yeah, I can, you know, I can pray about it. Next week he came back and he said, Carrie, have you been praying about it? And I didn't want to lie, so I said no. You know how us Christians, we sometimes say we're going to pray about something and we never think about it again? And I just didn't think it was a possibility. And he said, Carrie, I've been praying about it, and I think you need to go to North Greenville University. And I said, Mr. Ingram, I think you're senile. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got a lifetime trespassing ban from North Greenville. You're not hearing from God. I'm not going to school there. And he said, well, you know, the other week you were talking about that you believed nothing was impossible with God. He said, I want to ask you, do you believe that? And I said, yeah, well, I believe it, but that doesn't mean I can tell God what I want. And he's going to snap his fingers and it's going to happen. And he said, well, I've been praying about it. And I think that's what God's got me here telling you. He said, if I send you a book, will you study for it? I said, study for what? He's like the SAT. I've never even heard of the SAT. And he sent me this phone book, you all. And I like to tell people it had these triangles in it with these letters talking about do some kind of math. And I'm like, uh, sir, <laughs> he's like, take it one day at a time. Take it one problem at a time and just figure it out. Well, at this point, the only education I had was a GED. And in prison, you can get one if you'll just show up at class a couple of times, right? And take a test and, you know, do basic arithmetic pretty much, right? It's come a long ways, but that's what it was when I got my GED. And so to make a long story short, um, when I got out of incarceration, North Greenville gave me an academic scholarship for undergraduate work. Soon after I started, they gave me a job in the IT department and they wanted me to, you know, work with these computers. Now you all, when I got out of, when I went to prison, they had these flip phones, right? And if you texted, you had to be careful because if you texted too many characters, you had to pay overage, right? And so that's, that's when I went to prison, right? You still had the big Microsoft or desktop computers. Really wasn't any laptops or anything like that. And so they wanted me to work in the IT. And I think to keep a good eye on me, they gave me a job with the IT director. And about my second day, he said, Carrie, I need to sit down and talk to you. 
I was like, oh boy, here we go. And so he said, I'm going to give you a master key because you're going to have to go in people's offices and fix their printers and all that kind of stuff. And he said, we don't need you using your hammer up here anymore. We want to give you a key, right? That's supposed to be funny, you all. It's a true story, right? <laughs> I used to steal things with my hammer up there and now they're giving me a key to get anywhere I want to go, right? And I share that to celebrate that God is able to restore. Nothing is impossible with God. A couple of months after I'd been there, I got summoned to the president's office, right? You all, I had never been to the principal's office for anything good, right? And so he says, Kerry, I need you to tell me your full story. And so I took my time and he said, I've got two hours. I want to hear all of it. And I thought, well, they're about to throw me out of here. You know, I got in, some people worked some magic and now here I am. And oh, me of little faith. And I shared my story with him. And he said, why aren't you sharing that story here at school? And so I can put myself in the shoes of a father who has children here. And I could see him having a problem with him paying a premium for a private education. And then here I am getting out of prison with a scholarship. I could see where he might have some concern with that. He said, son, let me tell you something. He said, if they don't want you here, that gives me a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with them. Because if they don't believe in the grace of God, then they might not know God. He said, so allow your story to be a catalyst. Allow it to be abrasive in a winsome way so that people can say, hey, what are we doing here? And then he said, I'll get the opportunity to share the gospel with them. After I finished my undergrad, I had an opportunity to go for a master's work in management and leadership. Had the opportunity to do a lot of youth ministry in the same neighborhood in which I used to be so destructive. Um, and then North Greenville invited me back as the first ever student to receive a full scholarship for their doctoral work. And I'm in the dissertation stage right now. One of the greatest things, thank you. One of the greatest things God has done for me is he answered my prayer for a godly hottie. In 2016, I married Ashley. If I made her stand up and show off, um, she would kill me, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but we got married in 2016, and we have a little boy and a little girl who I'm sure are terrorizing in the back. And so God has been good to me. I share all of that not to brag on me um, because I couldn't have opened any of those doors. There was no willpower strong enough for that type of transformation. I share that to celebrate what God can do when his people in churches like Hope Point say, hey, we're gonna be ambassadors out in the community. We're gonna be bold with the gospel and share it with people that the world have thrown away. We're gonna plant the good seeds of God's truth and watch it transforms lives through the power of God's spirit. We're gonna be faithful to be what God's called us to do. So thank you. Transitioning back to the text now, I want to share two of the greatest truths I have learned that are related to this text. The first is that ambassadors should be directed by their king. Ambassadors should be directed by their king. You all in my life, it was very easy to see that I didn't have a plan. I couldn't figure things out. The best I could do doing what I wanted to do with my life was end up incarcerated facing a life sentence. But you all, as I have followed God's word and his plan for my life, he has exceeded 
my greatest expectations as I have lived directed by my king. An ambassador is a representative of a king or a country that goes to live in a foreign land to faithfully represent their country. The Christian ambassador is one who has been personally reconciled to God and has been left on this earth to go out and make much of Jesus, to go out and help the world see that their greatest need is reconciliation with Jesus Christ. You all, our world is full of seven steps towards a better life. It's full of all kinds of self-help stuff, mental health curriculum, all kinds of apps where you can get a better life for $4.99 a month. You all, our world thinks that if they can get a nicer house, a nicer car, a better job, all of those things, a better vacation each year, that they're gonna experience joy and peace. You all, all of those things are great and to be enjoyed with thanksgiving before God. But our greatest need and our greatest joy and our greatest fulfillment, you all, comes from knowing Jesus Christ personally. Right? If you don't hear anything else I say in here today, here decade, I've met senators, I've, I've did all kinds of things that I never thought I would get to do. I've bought a home, I've gotten married, I've had children. Some of those things are bad and some of them are good. But I promise you that none of it, absolutely none of it compares with knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. There is nothing greater than knowing that he is your king. And there's nothing greater than knowing that he is the one who's directing your life. That you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to have all the answers. Just look to Jesus and do what he says. Look to Jesus and do what he says. I challenge you, find one person. Find one person who has ever obeyed God and has regretted it. You can't do it. Be directed by the one who is sovereign. Be directed by the one who knows it all. Be directed by the one who spoke the world into existence. Allow him to define your steps and watch what happens in your life. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a scholar of his word. You should be a student and you should be one who's progressing as a theologian and knowing more about God. But just begin with what you already know and be faithful to that and watch what God will do. To be well-defined or to be well-directed by our king, we have to know him. And you all, and one thing that saddens me about the church and the people of God that I interact with is how biblically illiterate they are, right? You all, you can expect to grow as a believer and experience all that God has to offer if you're only getting to know him at church on Sundays. You all, this is a supplement. It's not the main course. You've got to dive into God's word for yourself. You've got to taste and see that the Lord is good personally if you want to experience him in a way that satisfies your soul. I encourage you, dive into God's word. There's a plethora of resources that are available to us. We've just got to have the discipline to do it. If you don't know your first step in drawing closer to God and learning more about him, don't be ashamed of that. That's why the church is here. They want to help you say, hey, what can my next step be? I want to grow closer to God this year. The second truth I've learned is that ambassadors are defined by their king. In this passage, Paul points out three things of ways believers should see themselves. 
They should see themselves as a new creation. They should see themselves as reconciled or from an enemy to a friend of God. And they should see themselves as an ambassador. You all, the world tries to define us in many ways, right? If you look in the back of your clothing, it's going to have a label, right? Who's got the right to put that label there? The manufacturer, right? If you look up here on the keyboard, I guess that's a Roland. I think that's a pretty high dollar keyboard, right? They've got the right to put that label there. They've got the right to brand it. The only person who has the right to label you is God. He's the one who created you. That's how you need to see yourself. What does God say about you? Those are the things that are most true about you. For me, shame has been a major thing to overcome in my life. For the things that I've did, all of those kind of things, shame could cripple me if I saw myself the way many people in the world see me. Those outside of Christianity they don't have a paradigm or a lens to see me through. And for them, it's like, you know, maybe they should have kept him in prison. Even now that I'm doing great and paying taxes and a productive member of the community. If I allowed it, that shame would be crippling to me. But I choose to believe that those in Christ, there's no longer condemnation. Let's read a few things about how God defines us. In 1 John 3, 1, it shares that we're a child of God. It says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Citizens of heaven, Philippians 3, 20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. In Colossians 1, 4, it says, we are redeemed. It reads, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The next one's one of my favorite. Zephaniah 3.17 says we are delighted in. It says, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. Mm, he is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. In Romans 8.17, it says we are a joint heir with Christ. It says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. In this world, all kinds of things and people are going to try to define you. But only our king has the right to define us. Are you going to believe what you feel about yourself? Are you going to believe what God's word says about you? Whatever God says about you is the most true thing about you. I encourage you to buy into that truth and watch how it shapes your thinking and watch how that shapes your life. For you in here today, I don't know what your next step might be. I'm sure that in a room this size, there are some who don't know Jesus Christ personally. There are people here today that would love to make that introduction. You can meet them at the connection area out back. You can see them with staff on, tags on. And there are plenty in this audience who know Jesus Christ that would be happy to
to make that introduction. Maybe you're in here today and you need to be more intentional about being directed by the king. Maybe you're just going through the motions of your Christian life and you come to church on Sundays and you know each week you tell yourself, this is gonna be the week I draw closer to Jesus. This is gonna be the week that I step into serving him somewhere. I encourage you to just go ahead and take that next step and see if it kills you, right? If it don't kill you, do it again next week, right? Just get started. Go ahead and take that step and let this be the week you put a stake in the ground and say, hey, I'm gonna quit talking about it and I'm gonna do it. And just start with that first step. Don't make it overly complicated. Maybe you need to be more intentional about being defined by the king. Maybe you have, you know Jesus personally, you've learned his word well, but you allow shame or field or anxiety to be crippling to you. I encourage you, preach the gospel to yourself. That's one of the greatest things I've learned in my life is to take and read through God's word and say, God, this is what you say about me. This is what's true about me. This is what you say about that matter. That's what's true about that matter. And do that over and over. It's not brainwashing you. It's called discipling yourself. It's called taking the lies you believe and replace them with the truth of God's scripture. You all, in closing, I want to say thank you to Hope Point Church for your investment in Jumpstart. Today, I have the pleasure of serving as the executive director. You all, I personally know hundreds of people who were once known as criminals, as liars, as addicts, as thieves, as murderers, as prisoners, who are now living in this community as faithful employees, as business owners, as husbands and as fathers, as faithful local church members serving in the community. And Hope Point played a major role in that by over the years investing God's truth into the incarcerated and making tangible support upon release possible so that people could have a pathway out of incarceration into a productive future. So thank you for that investment. I hope that you see it's paying off. I hope that you see me as living proof of what our great God can do. There's nothing to celebrate in me, I promise you. But our King, who can resurrect the dead, is worth celebrating. He is worth worshiping and he is worth giving your life away for. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you can join us again next week.